The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Today is one of those days where I feel totally unprepared. Not because I don't have a lot to talk about. There's certainly a lot to talk about. But because a lot of what I have to talk about there's no real simple understanding or application. Like I'm watching everybody spin around like tops, talking about these classified documents. And I'm watching the way one side is defending the fact that the uh, documents were found. Now they found more Biden documents in a garage in Delaware or something. And they're all uh, downplaying it. Oh, you know, these are not important and it happens all the time. But when it comes to Donald Trump, it's like a, you know, a national security emergency. So I'm just fascinating. These are classified documents that they found inside of a garage in Delaware And the lawyers from the White House said as soon as they found them, they contacted the DOJ. So my question is, you know, why all of a sudden are they announcing all of these documents? You know, what are they afraid of? I'm sure what they're afraid of is these congressional committees that are intending to subpoena all the, the, you know, whatever they can from Joe Biden. So it just, you know, it's just, it's what a tangled web we weave. When first we started to, you know, to deceive. So they found these documents, one set of documents in Rehoboth Beach and the other in Wilmington, Delaware, after they found the documents that were classified from the Obama administration that were at a think tank in Washington. So now the question is, since all I heard was that Donald Trump was irresponsible and therefore was a national security risk, what can we say about Joe Biden? All of Donald Trump's documents, whatever documents he is uh, alleged to have misappropriated, were found at his home, one place. Now we have multiple places, one, two, three places, right? Hoboth Beach, Wilmington, Delaware, and Washington. You know, classified documents next to your car. Uh, Steve Ducey said to him in a press conference, he said, classified documents next to your Corvette? What were you thinking? Ducey asked. I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this. God willing, it'll be soon. But I said earlier this week, and by the way, my Corvette is in a locked garage. It's not like it's sitting out on the street. What? So the documents were in a locked garage? Yes, as well as my Corvette. (laughs) But I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified materials seriously. And we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. Well, guess what? I'm sure Donald Trump took him seriously as well. 
Not only that, but he uh, has been cooperating. He would have given over those boxes, but no, they had to make a, ra- a raid because they did, they just they hate him so much that they can't help themselves. Biden went on to say that the White House Counsel's Office searched his two residents in Rehoboth Beach and Wilmington this week after revelations about a collection of Obama-era classified documents at the think tank. So, of course, finally, some people in the Justice Department are going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Why you got all these uh, political papers from the Obama-Biden administration that are marked with classified markings? All but one of these documents was found in storage space in the president's Wilmington residence garage. One document consisting of one page was discovered among stored materials in an adjacent room. And they're saying that there were nothing found in Rehoboth Beach, but they searched it. So am I supposed to believe them? The Wilmington documents are the second stash, I love that, of Obama-era classified documents to be uncovered. Attorney General Merrick Garland tapped John Lausch, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois and a Trump appointee, to investigate the matter on Monday. The president is said to be fully cooperating with the investigation. So how is it that uh, the FBI didn't raid his residences? Why were his attorneys allowed to go in there and provide these documents to the authorities? Because it's not equal justice, that's why. And anybody who pretends that it's still equal justice or that this is less relevant than Trump's was, uh, I guess when he said he vetted those documents, he meant he corvetted those documents. Bum, 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 bum. What can I tell you? You just can't make this stuff up. I don't have to make anything up. There's enough every day for me to simply, you know, just open up my computer, just lift the lid on my laptop, and before you know it, I'm looking at more classified documents. This is a great decision. Oh, you know, watch uh, Ducey Grill Biden. The laptop from hell. What are we going to do about the laptop from hell? Well, I guess, you know, you'd almost have to say that if I'm going to suspect that the FBI had ulterior motives in raiding Mar-a-Lago, then I should probably suspect that the FBI might have in their minds a plan to take down both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Just a thought. I don't trust him. So the laptop ought to be entered into the congressional record now. My friend David sent that in an email. Because otherwise, we don't know what's going to be preserved and what's going to be wiped out. You know, bleach bit. Uh, Like take a rag and wipe it out as Hillary Clinton was known to say. So I just, you know, I I did a a thought of the day today that really I think is very relevant about all of the incredible times in this nation each year that a properly trained and armed citizen has circumvented a robbery or a killing or who knows what, assault. And we never get told about these things. You know, it's almost like they never happen. If they don't mention it, does that mean that they never happen? It's amazing. So, you know, all I can say is we we need to keep our our 
minds engaged during this next almost two year period until the next election? Because I have a feeling we're in for a lot of surprises. I have a feeling that they continue to obfuscate, lie, change the story every time they get caught with one thing, you know, oh, you know, you can't take documents. Oh, well, Biden took them. So you can take documents. It's not a big deal. Nothing to see here, right? You know, keep it moving. Joe Biden's a good guy. Doesn't matter. He could do whatever he wants. He's a good guy. Donald Trump, on the other hand, not so good. You know, Jonathan Turley said the same thing that I'm saying. You know, we just want one standard of justice. That's all. It's not rocket science. We're not asking, um, you know, to change the rules. We're just saying whatever rules we have, they need to apply equally to members of the Democrat Party as they do to members of the, you know, the uh, Republican Party or whatever they call themselves these days. I think they're still called Republicans, but basically they're trying to pass themselves off as real conservatives. Ooh. They got some people on both sides that, you know, they just, they make your head spin. You just want to, like, just slap yourself, right? Someone close to Eric Swalwell really ought to take him, tell him never, ever again to take a selfie holding a sign. You know, remember when uh, Michelle Obama did that years ago? Gave people memes for days at her expense. Well, this is almost as funny as the time that he uh, passed wind on national television, almost. So he, he holds up a piece of paper and takes a selfie, you know, which I, I, I just don't, I don't take selfies. But it was a blank piece of paper because he didn't hold up the side that had the writing on it. He held up the wrong side so now everybody just filled in the blank piece of paper. And they're pretty funny. The memes are pretty funny. We'll trade secrets for feet pics. Uh, comprehensive list of reasons I should be on the Intelligence Committee followed by blank space. They said holding a sign for a selfie was a good idea. We'll commit treason for sex. I was kicked off of the committee because I was banging a Chinese spot. Never mind. It just goes on and on. It was too easy. Too easy, too easy. My wang wang aches for my fang fang. Just saying, you know, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. You just can't. How do these people get elected? That's my question. How does a guy like Eric Swalwell get elected? How does John Federer get elected, right? Do you see the picture of his family in Washington? Now, I, I don't like to make fun of people's looks, right? And, and members of their family's looks. It's not, you know, it's not nice. I know that. But it looks like the reboot of the Adams family. You know, or, or, yeah, I guess it was, who had Lurch? Whoever had Lurch, that's what it looks like. He looks like Lurch, and everybody else in that family looks psycho. But, of course, you know, I'm supposed to take all these people seriously, and so are you, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. not, not easy to do, that's what I'm saying. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. I want to remind you that... Um, 
you can download this app, the 850 WFTL app, and that app gives you access to all the podcasts, all the shows you might have missed, all of the news, breaking news headlines. You'll get alerts on your phone if you choose, or you turn the alerts off. You can listen to Full Rigor. That's Karen Curtis's crime, um, very popular crime podcast. You can listen to the Unidentified Alien podcast with uh, Karen and, and Steve Diener and Cool Dad Rules, and of course my No Restraint podcast where I do a lot more educating long fun than I do in my show these days, and they're worth a listen. They really are. I, I quote and read from some of the most brilliant writers out there on Substack, which is my newest source of information. Anyway, for now, just stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Hey, what can I tell you? I mean, I just, sometimes I, I, I watch and all I keep thinking is there's a societal collapse impending. And, you know, that's a dire prediction. But if you listen to like guys like Paul Singer, who manages a ton of money, a hedge fund called Elliott Management, I think, or he founded it, I don't know if he still manages it. They're telling their clients the global economy is on the path to hyperinflation and risks societal collapse if soaring prices are not brought under control. And I have to tell you, I, I went into a Aldi's today. I don't shop at Aldi's very often, but a friend of mine was looking for something in particular they'd seen in an Aldi's ad. So we went in there, and even at Aldi's, where you're supposed to be saving a ton of money, you know, within minutes you've spent $35 because everything is ridiculous. The price of eggs, has anybody checked out the price of eggs? They're off the charts, you know, and I'm reading all these uh, articles yesterday are the price of, and my friend from New Zealand said the price of eggs in New Zealand are ridiculous. And so is it because they insist that chickens are free range now and not kept in cages? Or is it because the feed is expensive and people aren't raising chickens? And then last night, Ch Tucker Carlson has this woman on every now and again. She's like a chicken lady. I don't know what that means, but she likes check. She has pet chickens and roosters. And, and I'm sitting with my friend Melissa from Kentucky, the farmer, and she goes, oh, yes, you know, hens and roosters make wonderful pets. And I'm like, I, somehow I just can't see myself cuddling up on the couch, couch with a hen in my lap. You know, it's tough enough to get a cat in your lap, but a hen or a rooster? I mean, roosters do get a bad rap. Everybody thinks they're noisy and angry, but, you know, listen. I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to get a, a couple of hens so I can keep eggs. You know, well, how much room can they take up? Because I'm going to put them in a coop. I don't care about the free range rules or anything like that. So, and they're great compactors, right? You can feed them all your scraps. That's the position people are starting to consider. People like me living in a, you know, in a condominium are thinking like, well, maybe I should just get a couple of chickens. Why not, right? Anyway, I just, I, I keep looking and watching and waiting because I know that there's been not enough coming out of Donald Trump these days, right? Like he's kept a pretty low profile. He did um, mention the fact that Lynette Hardaway, uh, who is Diamond of Diamond and Silk, had passed away on Monday. He was actually the first person who was able to tweet that information out. That's how like an alert on uh, Truth Social. And, you know, it, it's just so fascinating to me that these, um, 
well, what can I tell you? I, I mean, sometimes I, I, I try to make sense of things, and I'm sure you do the same, and there's just no sense to it at all. And then your mind gets taken right off the subject, and you're already presented with another ridiculous story, and you're trying to make sense of that one, and then they start blending together and crossing over like, did he fire a, you know, uh, Ilhan Omar and Eric Swalwell and, uh, and Adam Schiff? Did they actually get fired from committees? Can you fire somebody from a committee? I know you can, you know, that they automatically shift into the minority, but do you actually get to just remove them from committees? I guess you do, right? You know, uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi wouldn't allow Jim Jordan to sit on the con congressional committee that was investigating January 6th. So I guess, you know, you have a lot of power as the speaker. Then there was some awful news that came out of Illinois. And by the way, congratulations to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I like her. And she is now the governor of Arkansas. And she hit the ground running, right? The first thing she did was signed an executive order banning the word uh, the use of the word Latinx in government documents, she said, because it is culturally insensitive to the Latino community. Ethnically insensitive and pejorative language has no place in official government documents or government employee titles, Sanders' order stated. The U.S. government has a responsibility to respect its citizens and use ethnically appropriate language, particularly when referring to ethnic minorities. The executive order noted that polling from the Pew Research Center has found that roughly two to three percent of Latinos have even ever used the word Latinx to describe themselves, and that the Real Academia Española, which is a Madrid-based institution that serves as like a guide for the Spanish language, has officially rejected the use of X as an alternative to O and A in Spanish. Now, let me explain this for those of you who don't speak Spanish. Spanish is a language, as many Latin languages are, which assign genders to words. And the gender for words that are female uh, is A, and the use of O at the end of a word signifies a masculine word. Now, you can argue all day long, and I'm sure I can find people who are willing to dar ar argue with me that... Uh, we don't need to have gendered language, but they do. And so they reject Latinx. You're either a Latino or a Latina. I'm a Latina, you know? My son Derek is a Latino, or at least half a Latino. Um, Sanders, by the way, not only was her father the governor at one point in time, not only was she the press secretary and a heck of a good press secretary for Donald Trump, but she's the youngest governor. She made history by becoming the country's youngest governor. And she just jumped right in. She said, this critical race theory stuff, get rid of it. No more of that. It's antithetical to the traditional American values of neutrality and equality and fairness. It emphasizes skin color as a person's primary characteristic. That's segregation. America fought to reject that. So she wrote, it is the policy of this administration that CRT, discrimination, and indoctrination have no place in Arkansas classrooms. Well, hallelujah. No wonder she defeated Chris Jones, the Democrat candidate, and even the uh, Libertarian couldn't bring her down, Ricky Dale Harrington. 
I like me some Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I wish her luck. You know, she joins the ranks of Christy Noem and Ron DeSantis, governors who are, you know, they're standing in the gap for us, man. They're making sure the federal government doesn't run roughshod over us. And I'll be eternally grateful for their guts. Plus, I just like her. I just like her, her, her dour demeanor when she'd be dealing with the liberals in the media. She was just always like, just definitely one of my favorite press secretaries of all time. Anyway, let me take a break. When we come back, I'm going to be speaking with Robert Spencer. He is, of course, the founder and great writer for Jihad Watch. And he had a very interesting piece that I wanted to talk about with him, a new book as well. He, man, he is one of the most prolific writers that I know, but he really gets to the point. So uh, we'll, we'll speak with Robert Spencer when we come back. Stay right where you are. And welcome back to the program. You know, it's uh, interesting. My next guest, he and I get to see each other face-to-face once a year at the Federation for Immigration, Federation for American Immigration Reform in D.C. He's always one of the uh, most uh, um, well-liked guests that comes to the event. And, of course, I always enjoy uh, speaking with Robert Spencer. He, of course... Um, the Man Behind Jihad Watch, which is a website you should be using on a regular basis, is jihadwatch.org. And he writes some of the best, most easy-to-understand books about the subject of radical Islam. But sometimes he just goes out and does some books. Uh, He's got a new book out that I'm dying to hear more about. It's called The Sumter Gambit, How the Left is Trying to Foment a Civil War. How you doing, Robert? Just great, Joyce. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I was kind of sad. You know, the last time we were together in D.C., your interview followed right after Diamond and Silk. So when I heard that Diamond had passed on Monday, I thought, you know, we're at the front of the line now. (laughs) You know, it's like uh, the people Oh, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and just we can't afford to lose many, uh, many members of 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 the conservative movement that think like we think and that are willing to say things that other people aren't willing to say. Um, I know the fire that you've been under forever, as have I. And it takes courage. But, you know, we got to keep fighting the good fight. we got kids and I have grandkids i got to look out for. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a great tragedy, but nothing to do but go on. Right. And I'm I'm really curious about this because this is kind of a little bit different, not that you don't write about such things often in articles and stuff, but this is really, um, what is the Sumter Gambit? Tell people what you're talking about. Yeah, the idea is to recall the beginning of the Civil War or the first Civil War in the United States in 1861 when the Confederacy fired on Fort Sumter outside Charleston, South Carolina. The left now is trying, this is what the book is about, trying to bring about a new Fort Sumter moment that mm-hmm. will touch off a civil war because the left is authoritarian and fascist and they want to stamp out all dissent. And they uh, are trying to portray patriots as being insurrectionists and traitors and so on in order to justify further authoritarian clampdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've been talking about the uh, overt censorship 
of our viewpoints, not just the censorship, but, you know, the outright, uh, you know, interference, uh, certainly with books that you've written and others like us, you know, th they've been doing this to us for decades, and yet it's only now with the Twitter files coming to light that the left is even pa making a passing reference to it. They still call it a conspiracy theory, but like it was real. I watched it happen to you. I watched it happen to Pamela. I watched it happen to Brigitte. I watched it happen to me. It's uh, absolutely true. The first dry run for the clampdown on dissent and the denial of the freedom of speech that we're seeing now was for the was against the people who were accused of so-called Islamophobia. Mm. And for at that time, the left said these people are out of bounds. The real problem is not jihad violence. It's the people who are calling attention to jihad violence, and they need to be silenced, marginalized, defamed, and so on. And altogether, too many people who are prominent on the right just went along. Mm -hmm. The difference now is that more people on the right are waking up to the left's game. Mm -hmm. And so I, I know we can't get our reputations back, but at very least, this is not happening again now. People who the left just tries to destroy, the right doesn't just jump, in, jump into line and go ahead with it as they used to. Yeah, we hope, because I don't know what this yeah. new leadership is going to be up to in Washington. I mean, I was never a fan of Kevin McCarthy, but uh, apparently there were a couple of people who were willing to stand and fight for principle, and I'm hoping that it'll make a difference. But you know, you have to you you have to be realistic about this. And I think you're right. I think they have a scheduled civil war that's coming to this country. Yeah. And and well, you know, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, Joe Biden signaled it. Uh, he actually made it very clear in his speech on September 1st, 2022. And this is really the centerpiece of the book. The speech that he made was the most destructive and anti-American speech that any president of the United States has ever made in American history. And for the first and only time, a sitting president said that his chief opponent and, his, the, and half of the electorate, his opposition, were outside the bounds of acceptable political discourse. He said mm -hmm. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent a threat to the very life of the republic. This is, this is fascist, incendiary language. Mm -hmm. And never before has a president said that half of the voters in the United States are unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And what's next then? That we, obviously, the administration is going to move toward criminalizing being a MAGA Republican. And then, mm -hmm. who knows, arrests could follow, any number of things. And that's not unrealistic. I remember when we were talking about these things and people would say, oh, you're such a conspiratorialist. And I would say, well, I'm watching it happen. You know, I'm seeing people get banned and shadow banned and removed from Facebook. It happened to me. It happened to Robert. It happened to Pamela. It was, it was so clear and so obvious. And yet I couldn't get political people on board with it. You know, they, they just, uh, no, that's not really what's happened. Maybe you, you need to be more mindful of how you frame things. Why do I have to be mindful? Uh, the, uh, the First Amendment is, you know, a, a, a guarantee that I can say whatever I want. Absolutely. And, you know, now the Twitter files have made it clear. Mm -hmm. The Biden administration worked with Twitter, worked with Facebook, worked with the others to silence and deplatform people that said things that they didn't like. Mm -hmm. And so we have the, the, the president of the United States and his administration working directly against 
what are supposed to be our guaranteed First Amendment freedoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what I saw a story, I think I saw it on Jihad Watch, actually, about a boot that was being sold at, like, Walmart. And what it was is that actually was that actually happening a boot that said kkk on the tongue yeah although um i uh, wasn't able to find out what the manufacturer meant by that and i very <laughs> highly doubt that any manufacturer of a commercially sold product in the united states is going to be openly advertising the ku klux klan right. so it's uh, it, it almost certainly meant something else but the Council on American-Islamic Relations jumped on it, and the boot was removed from sale. These kinds of things happen all the time, mm. and the manufacturers often have no recourse because once you're branded, you know. Then mm. there's just no, there's no appeal, there's no discussion, there's no debate. It's just all over. Yeah. What do you think about uh, you know some of the information that's coming out now on the Twitter files when it comes to the vaccines, because I think that part of, you know, the whole COVID uh, phenomenon and pandemic uh, related things was actually to foment division between Americans, you know, those that believed in vaccination and those that were leery of vaccination. And they literally pitted us one against each other. I have members of my family who won't talk to me over the subject. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I know exactly how you feel. It's the same thing all over. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of the COVID hysteria was precisely to uh, get us used to authoritarian measures from the government in the name of public health mm-hmm. and to coerce people into acquiescing to this authoritarianism, because if they didn't, then, oh, you want to endanger everybody? You want grandma to die and all that. And so it was a very highly manipulative effort, but an effective one point of view, because it wrong footed the people who were defending freedom right from the beginning. They were portrayed as being enemies of the public health and uh, not caring if people died and so on. And, you know, you want to institute authoritarian control over a population. That's an extraordinarily effective way to do it, because nobody wants to be on the side of supposedly endangering hundreds of people around you. Now, right. of course, it was not true, and it was never true, but we didn't find that out for sure till much later. Yeah. You know, down here in Florida, we've always dealt with um, what I call like the Caribbean uh, Santeria reality, and, and there was a ton of, uh, you know, animal sacrifice and things of that nature. Uh, going on, and there will be various efforts to clean that up. All of a sudden, I'm listening to these stories about what's happening in Michigan with residents of a, a large Muslim population in a Detroit area community that they're now allowed to sacrifice animals in their home for religious reasons, like goats yeah, and sheep. Uh, like, what? <laughs> that's Hamtramck, right outside Detroit. Right. It used to be a Polish area right. and now the polls have almost completely gone and it's a majority muslim city and mm-hmm. this city council is all muslim and so they voted the other day i think yesterday to approve of animal sacrifices and there are several problems with this of course animal rights activists have pointed out there are hygienic issues there mm-hmm. are issues of animal cruelty and also there has been documented in the past 
uh, money going to jihad terror groups from the celebrations of Eid al-Adha, the day on which Muslims sacrifice animals. Mm. And, of course, none of this came entered into the discussions for the city council because all of that is Islamophobic. And, you know, we just can't have a discussion about these things in America today. The whole discourse has been poisoned by these claims of uh, that it's racist and bigoted even to raise questions about such things. Where do the people in Hamtrap come from primarily? Are they like uh, Bangladeshis or, or Yemeni? Because they're not Saudis and they're not uh, uh, Somalians, are they? No, I think actually they are mostly Yemeni. Okay. And uh, other than that, I think that there's a majority Arab area. But on offhand, I am not sure where they come from beyond Yemen. Yeah. But, you know, this kind of behavior being tolerated in a major city in America um, without any regard for the the you know, the fact that we as a country don't function that way. Um, we don't do animal sacrifices. And when they tried that here in Miami with the Santeria stuff, it got shut down pretty quickly. I mean, you will still find, you know, communities that hide it. But this is like, they welcome it. You know, okay, everybody can participate. There's no reason not to slay a, ga a goat in your house and just feed the poor or something, I think they said at the meeting. <laughs> just It's interesting. The Santeria people could not say, oh, you're just Islamophobic and bigoted if you're <laughs> against it. And so right. they, they won uh, right off. I mean, they, they lost right off the bat. They didn't have the weapon that they have in Hamtramck. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly true. Um what do you think of what's going on in Israel? You know, I watch it closely, as I'm sure you do, because we have uh, tremendous love for the land. And, you know, you've got uh, Bibi Netanyahu back in there with a relatively conservative uh, government around him. Um, and it's almost divine how that happened. Uh, do you think it speaks towards what we can expect in two years? I mean, I'm still hopeful that we can turn things around in this country, but it's going to have to happen quick. Yeah, it, it does have to happen quick, and it's got to happen against the ways in which the uh, electoral process has been uh, tampered with by mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting and all that nonsense. But there is still hope, and yeah, um, it's an extraordinary thing what's happening in Israel with uh, Bezalel Smotrich as part of the new government and mm -hmm. somebody, the finance minister of the new government, and he's... He speaks more uh, honestly about the whole Palestinian issue than anyone in years. Right. And he said the other day, you're complaining about the fact that I refuse to recognize the existence of the people you have invented. Mm. Nobody's dared to say that for yeah. decades. Right. The Palestinians were invented in the 1960s. You go back before this. I saw this when I researched my book, The Palestinian Delusion. That right. There's no mention of the Palestinians as a people before the 1960s. They were invented in the 1960s for propaganda purposes. Nowadays, it's just taken for granted that they are the indigenous people of this land, totally preposterous. And Smotrich is the only person in the entire world who is a, ma a public authority who is speaking the truth about this. Yeah. Look, how can you be a people if you don't have a language and you don't have a currency and you, you know, never were identified in that fashion before? Um, you're basically a nomadic Arab that uh, nobody wants in their country. So they decided, well, make Israel take them. You know, it's like, that's I, it. 
Yeah, I mean, if the, you want... Uh, KGB, actually, and Yasser Arafat invented the Palestinian people because of this problem that, uh, you know, people love the underdog, and there's tiny Israel surrounded by 22 huge Arab states, and so they made an even smaller people that the Israelis were supposedly menacing. But uh, anybody with any historical knowledge, and of course nowadays anybody with historical knowledge is a smaller and smaller group of people because the schools don't teach these things. The schools Mm -hmm. are busy teaching uh, diversity and multiculturalism and racism and uh, all these – how the founding fathers were so terrible and so on. Don't forget transgenderism, you know. Oh, yeah, that's right. Critical gender theory, critical race theory. It's like it's just it's a nightmare. Robert, always a pleasure. The new book, is it out yet or do can people pre-order the Sumter Gambit? Yeah, they can pre-order it. It's not at Amazon yet. It'll be there in a few days. But it's at conservativereaders.com can be pre-ordered today at conservativereaders.com. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to reading it. I've, I've read every book, I mean, uh, that, that Robert has written, and he's a voluminous writer. Thanks so much for coming on, and don't forget to check out the website, jihadwatch.org. Uh, talk to you soon, Robert. Thanks. See you later. All right. All right. Um, I need to take a break, and then when I come back, we'll wrap up today's program. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock is Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock is Ben Shapiro. At 6 o'clock, the WPTV Local News and then uh, Joe Pags, Lars Larson, and the beat goes on. So you can basically just lock in 850 on your dial and leave it there. I'll be right back. So our governor is uh, pushing back on this, uh, this, this decision that the federal government is uh, considering banning gas stoves. You know, what else? Like, what? can't they think of anything important to do? You know, that they're really going to come after gas stoves. First of all, it'll destroy small businesses that use gas stoves, and they use gas stoves because they're really more effective for cooking. They're time effective. They're controllable. You know, electric stoves, uh, say what you will, and I have a, you know, a glass top uh, stove because that's really all you can buy in a condominium like I live in because there's no gas, you know, I'm not going to have a, a tank of gas. So I'm stuck with that. But if I could have a gas stove, when I had a home, I always had gas stoves. It is so much more efficient. It's so much more affordable. And it's so much easier to control, you know, the temperature of the food that you're cooking. But no, no, the government has to come after the gas stoves, that they're causing asthma. What the hell? I I mean, you can prove anything you want with a fake fraud study. And I'm sure that's what they did. But we got a governor who I'm grateful for. Because he said, you know, uh, no. He said, if you want to nix gas stoves, are you kidding me? He said, like, uh, we want gas stoves. Imagine how many people had the hurricane come through who didn't have power right away, but were able to turn on their gas stoves. And that's what they want to do. That don't work here. The, you know, the, there was a small study done that said if there was leaks or not fully burned uh, you know, uh, gas left in the atmosphere, little bits of methane gas would be released into your home. And then the study said, oh, the, the methane levels could rise to unhealthy levels in homes that didn't have proper ventilation or don't use range hoods. Well, guess what? So make range hoods mandatory. I mean, what the heck? 
instead, you know, the 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 study, first of all, I don't believe the study. How about that? Most of these studies that are being used to justify the banning of things actually are commissioned by carbon-free buildings, part of the you know World Trade Organization or whatever. Is that a coincidence? No. This is not about kids and asthma. This is about climate change. It's about the same garbage as the electric cars are. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what do you do in California if you have an electric car like my kids do and the power uh, rolling blackouts come. Oh, well, get on your bicycle, start hoofing. This is a study that, again, more proof that you can prove literally anything with the study. Richard Trumka Jr., who's an agency commissioner of the Consumer Product Safety Commission, said a ban on the table, instead of recommending proper ventilation or range hood use, is ridiculous. You know, come up with a better idea. Ventilation is what you should be discussing, not banning a particular type of technology. Banning one type of a cooking appliance is not going to address the concerns about overall indoor air quality. You may need some behavior change, right? You may need to turn your hood on when you're cooking. But this is all part of a larger movement against natural gas. These are policymakers who, who just, you know, climate warming emissions and, and climate change and all that fossil fuel emissions, all that crap. They have an agenda and they don't care. They really don't care about kids with asthma, trust me. You know, how, how about the fact that, like, why don't you come up with a cure for uh, Alzheimer's, which I spoke about in my uh, No Restraint podcast. Why don't you come up with uh, an answer to why there are one out of every 36 kids in America has, is autis autistic? How about that? Gas stoves for me, but not for thee. If you want to know how to, how to, out of touch, the priorities of the people in our government are this is the story. Eggs are $9 a dozen. Milk is $6 a gallon. It's like four bucks for a head of lettuce. And the American government's answer to all this is let's ban gas stoves. Now, of course, there was a lot of blowback. And so the uh, Consumer Product Safety Commission guy, Alexander Hones-Sarek, backtracked and said, well, we're, lo we're not looking to ban gas stoves. Well, what are you doing? Let me explain. When he says we're not looking to ban gas stoves and the Consumer Product Safety Commission has no proceeding to do so, here's the translation of what they're really saying. We wanted to ban gas stoves, but then we got caught. And that's it, you know. And so my job is to catch them. You know, Congress's job is to catch them. And the fact that they aren't even watching really disturbs me. And now Senator Rick Scott, much to his credit, is asking for the FAA and Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, why I'll never know. They need to tell Congress why there was an outage that caused flight cancellations and delays yesterday. My friend is down here. She's going on a cruise. Half of the other people who are going on the cruise couldn't get out yesterday morning. They canceled over 1,000 flights. They delayed over 6,700 flights due to the uh, administration's notice to air missions, which by the way used to be called the notice to air um, pilots, I think. They had to change that. I guess it was 
not racially sensitive enough. I don't know. I, these people are so sick. Secretary Pete, yeah. Maybe it's time to have another baby or two and, and have a paternity leave because when you're in your office, you can't manage the job. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon to wrap up this week. We'll check in with Derek at TMZ. If it be his will and he delays his coming, he being God. So just uh, may, may, God, may God watch over us. May God bless us. And most importantly, may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.